you're listening to the Fit Physio Podcast with me, Rian Casey, and my good friend, colleague, and esteemed co-host, Clodagh Burrell. In this podcast series, we discuss all things health and well-being with the help of some inspiring guest speakers along the way. In this episode, we chat to strength and conditioning coach Dave Hare, who tells us all about his experience working with elite level athletes, opening his own business at age 23, and everything in between. Dave gives us a great insight into the life of an SNC coach and the importance of strength training in both prevention and performance. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay, we are live. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Fit Physio podcast. I'm delighted to be joined here today by my co-host, Cloda, as always. How's it going, Cloda? Good, thank you. And yourself? Very well, thank you. And we have a special guest today in a strength and conditioning coach from Ireland and is someone who I've known for a number of years. And I'm delighted to call him my first ever professional mentor. And that is Dave Hare. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Good to be on it. Uh, Ringing uh, Australia. Don't know what time of day it is over there at night, but... uh, Hope all is good and you seem to be sorting COVID out a lot better than we are. Yeah, it's a strange time, all right. But look, as I say, it, uh, we are in the lucky kind of situation that we're in at the moment and that life is slowly coming back to a bit more normal. So hopefully not too much longer for you guys with a bit of luck, you know, and, and the vaccine gets rolled out pretty soon, hopefully. Uh, so Dave, basically the way we normally do things here with, with our podcast is we, we let our guests introduce themselves and, and tell a little bit of background about themselves first. So obviously I mentioned in the, in, at the start that you're a strength and conditioning coach and you've obviously had a number of pretty cool roles, I suppose, over the last uh, number of years in elite level sport. I know you've obviously owned your own business and and obviously you're now an author as well. So I'll let you obviously go into a little bit more detail on that. But yeah, if you'd like to start off by telling us just a little bit about your background, how you got into S&C, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so I suppose it's the Fit Physio podcast. So I suppose, how did I get into s and I'll start with that. And these are the least interesting talks for all your listeners, what my background is. But long story short, went to UL, did sports science, uh, done all those courses, NSCA, all the stuff that you need to do to kind of be certified or whatever that is. Um, I suppose, how did I get into um, S&C? Uh, by tearing my cruciate or partially tearing my cruciate and then meeting people who were maybe 20 years ahead of their time in Ireland. Uh, remember doing my first one leg deadlift, say, for example, in 99 or something crazy like that and meeting um, some very smart people and through the whole process of uh, actually even before that I tore my inguinal ligament from doing weighted sit-ups which was and then the GP said do rest and so I rested for three weeks but bench pressed in between and then went back on the pitch and felt great tackled the biggest guy on on our rugby team stood up and my inguinal ligament went back square one (laughs) and so I can still remember standing on a little trampoline remember them and doing like a doctor adductor work with a bike tube and then doing like hip flexion stuff with a bike tube so you know and and getting like sweat pouring off me and waking up the next day wondering when my ab muscles were firing so I was like wow this is pretty cool stuff and from there um that kind of thing of filling out CAO pick sports science and that's how I got into it kind of chose me rather than 
me kind of really thinking there was no such thing as strength and conditioning back then anyway really I mean I think there might have been a guy working with the Irish rugby team and it would have been like he was the running coach or something I mean that's how quick it's come so that's kind of the background and in between their trips to America you bore you to death with all that stuff but that's basically that's basically the jigs and reels of it yeah, and how did you come to then, obviously you owned Functional Training Ireland in Dublin. How did that all come about? Yeah, well, I was working in a place in town, a physiotherapy practice in town, and we had a difference of opinion uh, with the owner of that fine establishment that's still there to this day, and I hope they're all doing well. And basically, I just said I couldn't get a job. <laughs> I wanted to work doing what I was doing. Uh, I'm not a chartered physio, so who would hire a non-chartered physio? I was trying to look into doing physiotherapy, uh, believe it or not. Uh, remember meeting Bernie Dunn and Trinity and stuff like that. Do you know Bernie? Rain? Oh, yeah, Do I know him, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice fellow. And, uh, and it was like, he basically said, we got 500 applicants and we might pick two postgrads. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I just basically um, saw a little premises in Ranelagh Randall is a nice little kind of suburb of Dublin, really kind of funky. It's probably the nice part of Dublin, in my opinion. It's gorgeous. and it's it, But it's got that nice mixture between kind of posh and you get a nice coffee, but it's a nice village feel. And um, I went there and I just had a, a chance to buy a, a buy a premises, but rent a little tiny premises uh, down a dingy laneway behind the hill pub. And I just opened my first business. And then I was always pretty good on websites as you probably remember, Rain and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I remember just being, it was weird. I was the only guy doing what I was doing in Ranelagh and it was a good socioeconomic place. I like had 20 clients before I knew it. And I was just kind of snowballed from there, you know, I kind of outgrew that place. But that's basically it. It wasn't any bravery or any whatever. It was just basic necessity. I needed to do something with my life and no one would hire me. And that's basically it. <laughs> Did you have um, kind of a wide spectrum there? Was it mainly sports or who were your main clients? Oh, like uh, sports, sports, as I say, you know, I mean, uh, the people who were paying me bills were your stressed workers, your overweight people, your underweight people, your women getting ready for weddings. Um, and then we did have sports. We The local tennis club sent in tennis kids Um I remember, I, I, t- actually, the only sports people I was doing then, I was training for free, just to build up my name. So I remember, though, I, I even coached a couple of Dublin footballers for free. And think about it back then, just to show you how old I am. They didn't really have that sophisticated S&C system then. If I was to try and get a Dublin footballer to train me now, it'd be like impossible. Like they just wouldn't have, it'd be, it'd be unheard of. Um, I remember doing tennis kids for like the real uh, tennis academy kids uh, every Saturday morning. I think I, the coach said, oh, uh, will you train them? I'll give you free membership in Westwood and Clontarf. <laughs> I said, okay, we'll do that. And it was like, so that's the only sports people I had. But um, you build it up, build it up, and you build a name. And back then, I think I was 23 when I opened my business, which is madness when you think. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, Yeah, yeah, I know. 23, yeah. And I, I was just, I think you remember working with me, Rain. It was just like hustle. That was the word I used back then. So um, I'll actually, I'll tell you a story, actually. I 
tried to do as many t- like business plans and all this stuff, which are kind of a waste of time when you're just one guy opening it. But anyway, and I went to the Dublin Enterprise Board and they gave you a bit of mentoring. And this is real old dude uh, was mentoring me and he was basically helped me to put a business plan together. And he said, oh, there's a fellow in Randall I want you to meet. His name's Frank Smith. He owns Smith's Pub. If you know Randall, Smith's Pub's like the, probably the best pub in Randall. And I went in and met Frank Smith. And he says, he didn't really want to meet me probably, but he gave me some great advice. And he just said straight away, he says, when you're paying rent, you'll lose your shyness very quickly. Mm. Mm. Fair point. And I said, oh, that's a good point. And I remember downloading the thing of every single business in Randall and sending them a letter and a free training card or something mad stuff and um i just to show you how old i am as well i didn't couldn't afford the internet in the premises so there used to be a chart busters in the middle of ranla and i used to go down and use the internet cafe and the chart busters <laughs> needs must and all that you know but you know what looking back it was way ahead of its time because i got in a few steps i um my productivity was through the roof because i tried to cram in an hour of internet time and do all my emails and everything. Whereas now it's all on your phone and you're just kind of slave to it. So uh, bring back the internet cafes, I say, you know. You were a hustler, Dave. Well, I was back then, yeah, 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 I was. You had to be. So do you think now it's changed a lot? So if you were to graduate now from sports science at UL, is the road to becoming an SNC coach very different now? Is it a little bit easier or? Do you reckon that people still have to do that a lot of groundwork and hustle like yourself? Um, yeah, good question. I have to be careful how I answer this. <laughs> so, um, well, I suppose the answer a few layers. Parents that ring me all the time and ask, Johnny wants to do sports science, should he do it? I say no. I'll be honest. Mm. I'll be totally honest. I say no. Because right. if they still want to do it after I say no, they'll they'll probably make it okay and a bit like i heard god almighty i'm not equating myself to this but i remember listening to ray darcy on the radio and he's in media and loads of kids do media studies in college and parents ring him and they say he's doing media or she's doing media should he do it and he says no (laughs) because he says you don't realize how hard it is and it's it's ridiculously hard to get any job in snc in ireland and I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze, but I'm in it too long now. So, uh, so despite so, the, oh, sorry, go on. Go on, yeah. No, sorry, go on. Stop me because I'll keep rambling. What were you saying there, Claudia? No, I was going to say, despite, like, you know how important it is and how effective it is. So what do you think needs to happen for, like, the mindset to change? Um, well, I think the mindset has changed quite a lot. People realize how important it is. I think most, but like, where's the opportunities in Ireland from a financial point of view? So our professional sports are four, four rugby teams sewn up, one international team sewn up, and GAA, amateur organization, there's not a lot of money floating around there, even though they say there is. And there is opportunities in the GAA, which I've been lucky enough to work with. But can you pay a mortgage with an opportunity in the GAA? No. Now, I was lucky enough to be hired by the GA as a professional strength and conditioning coach. So it is starting, but it's rare air. So you might have, I think it's the most popular course in England at the moment, or Britain, is sports science or closely linked. And 
it probably is similar in Ireland and the just opportunities isn't there so it's interesting so I suppose on the point of GAA then obviously that's how myself and yourself worked together all those years ago now what is it four or five five years ago or we probably started yeah. six six years ago now in Offaly and we I know at the time obviously it was one of my my first exposures into into kind of that level of sport and and it was quite normal for me to have the the relationship that you and I had in terms of strength conditioning and physio and and kind of I suppose even on our car drives down to down to Offaly we spent so much time together in the car we had the the luxury of discussing player management discussing various different aspects of the job so I think I certainly gained a great respect or a great understanding of strength and conditioning fairly early on in my career but I think maybe that isn't always the case certainly from a physio point of view and from your experience or from the different teams you've worked with, and I know you've told me some stories over the years about different physios you've worked with. I won't go, I won't go naming names or anything like that. But would you, could you tell us a little bit about, I guess, yeah, what you feel is 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 important from a physio to understand about S and C, and an S and C coach to understand about about injury and physio, and then I suppose the the how that relationship should work properly. In, in a sports setting and then I guess what happens when it doesn't when it doesn't work too well yeah it was funny I look back at what we were doing in Offaly six years ago in the dingy gat club in the middle of nowhere and I would say it's light years of what's going on even now mm. I'll be honest with you like we didn't have facilities but what we had was absolute insimpatico uh, like you know borderline you'd help me write the programs borderline I mean pretty close I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I run a few programs. <laughs> no, no, lads. 50 years, yeah, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a bad marriage here or something. But um, no, uh, but, but all joking aside, like it was, okay, let's look at it really simply. Um, when you coach a team, there's so much leakage, right? There's just so much areas where players can slip the gaps. And physio is one of them because... I'm famous for writing an article in a GA club, maybe don't have a physio or training. Mm. And they were like, you know, a few physios text me going, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, I'd prefer to spend the budget on a really good physio during office hours that the players could go to after training. I mean, what really can a physio do before and during actual pitch sessions? if it's a normal situation, if you know what I mean. Um, now, that's like in your amateur GA setting. Obviously, if you're in like the you know, professional team, you're going to have a team of physios because you have that budget. But I'm saying, where's the budget best spent? Maybe it's better off just sending them to the physio when everything settles, when they've had a shower, they've had a night's sleep, and then they can go to the expert physio around the corner in their clinic, you know? And... Um, and I got people saying, oh, that's madness. But I was like, kind of makes sense. But that's kind of what you were doing when we were coaching Offaly. Because it was like you were running your clinic on the side of the pitch. And if anyone pulled their hamstring, for example, um, I knew they would come back onto the pitch fitter and stronger because they were doing S&C at the end stage of their rehab. That's rare air. I think a lot of physios don't have the confidence to do it. I think a lot of physios... Um, 
have they're so caring and they're so uh, intelligent and they're so you know trained well nearly too well that they can't push the player in vertical commas um, whereas a physio that trains him or herself that maybe went boxing and played soccer or whatever that was your background wasn't it uh, Rian uh, we'll post a video of you kicking a free and while showing later on but uh, <laughs> That, that, that's, uh, that should be one left deep in the archives, I'd say. <laughs> but uh, it was no better than my kicks, I might add. But uh, I just caught yours on tape. But anyway, all joking aside, it's just you need to... Like, I want to send my players to a physio, and when I get him or her back, they're fitter and stronger. I don't think that's too much to ask. So what you're saying, and basically, I is I was, I was so ignorant that, that I, I basically... Wasn't, wasn't caring enough or kind enough to the players <laughs> when they were injured. Oh, you were, you nah, were I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. You, 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 no, you probably had to fight a few instincts to push them that hard, though. I'd say you did, you know, because I would be like saying to you, get them fit and strong. And then I always joke, the best cure for injuries is championship. Mm. So, like, it's amazing how few players are injured near championship. So we have to acknowledge there is this huge psychosomatic uh, part of all this. And one of the reasons physios can be this is from a trainer's point of view dumb trainer that lifts dumbbells or whatever can be like ah sure I'll just go to the physio and get a rub or do light rehab with a med ball you know they'd walk up the stairs to Rian they weren't getting just they weren't getting a rub I don't think say you did minimal soft tissue work and uh, they were uh, uh, coming out fitter and stronger I used to see the players after being rehabbed by you and I used to nearly enjoy them tweaking a hamstring because I know they'd come back and all the stuff I didn't have time to fix you were essentially personal training them for three weeks they'd come back yeah. machines you know so how rare is that though think mm-hmm. about it how often does it happen that the egos allow both parties physio and strength coach work together it's, and that's usually the biggest problem um, is the egos because my ego is huge your ego wasn't as huge then. I don't know what it's like now, Ryan. But like, through the roof. It, it, is it? Okay. Well, he should have. He's a tremendous physio. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, all joking aside, it's just if we can get that more often in sports in Ireland, injuries won't be a problem. And I look at that at our injury rates in Offaly during those three years. We've barely banged up players. I'd stand over them every day, all day. I don't even think we had an ACL in three years with a player that was actively in our system. I think we had one with a fella who didn't do any. Yeah, we never had one actually in in Offaly, as far as I know. There was maybe one at club level, while not while they weren't with us for. Yeah, they hadn't done the preseason. They had. They were they were plugged in the system rather part of the system. So that's like alone. There's there's, there has to be something to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the missing ingredient is personality as well like the players just bought into you the players bought into me that's the secret sauce mm-hmm. um, and you know so <laughs> it's hard to explain that and articulate that any better and it's hard to say why that is so powerful but if I, I'll give you an example as well I remember a physio who shall remain nameless came down to awfully once and he worked with a professional team in Ireland. And even though we'd no systems or no nothing, he was blown away by what we were doing. 
you know so mm. that was a nice testimonial but you, you can't write a scientific paper in that mm. that's the problem so it's not peer-reviewed no one respects it mm. but that's where where it's at for me Rian's great in other words <laughs> <laughs> everyone go see Rian <laughs> so would you say then that how how much of your role is prevention and how much is treatment so uh, reading between the lines what you're saying is in the ideal world the physio would maybe do the diagnosis and the early stages of rehab and as soon as they can get them through to the snc coach who will really push them and get them back sooner rather than later would you say that's 50 percent of your role or would you say prevention is more important or is it a mix of both um good question um good question i say when i first started i was obsessed with injuries to a ridiculously large level and then i realized it's not my role my role is strength and conditioning mm. and my role is to hand players to the head coach in a strong and fit um, and you can bludgeon the player ignore screening and get them strong and fit now it'll bite you in the bum later on but you can do it and it happens every day of the week and we know it does I personally can't do that um, so I constantly try and fix players as I'm getting them stronger but I'd say your average physio would walk in see what I'm doing and probably have a little bit of a flutter in her or his heart you know I might push players through moderate technical very moderate <laughs> technical issues knowing that I can get him or her to the next level a bit quicker that way so it's constantly constantly up and down like that Clodagh and up and down sort of psychologically for myself Uh, I need to push them but I don't want to break them I need to push them but I don't want to break them and what happens is you constantly review your injury rates and just stiffness rates and different things like that but I think this is where periodization would come in so fancy word but like i think when i'm doing my kind of more risque stuff if i want to say it like that i'm going to do it when there's less pitch demands so i might be pushing kids doing back squats front squats i know five or six of them would be a little bit tight in the back maybe after that but i'm not doing that when there's a championship in two weeks i'm doing that when the championship's in 22 weeks so it's constantly evolving my thought process there yeah does that answer the question at all it does but i have another one for you now (laughs) you just reminded me i wanted to ask you about uh, the myth around training kids lifting weights and how it affects their development what do you think of that one yeah well it's garbage and it's untrue and um you i think if we go back to where did that myth start so I think the myth started in two places, according to the research. Um, so the first one was people televised Olympics, first ever televised Olympics. All the weightlifters were short. People <laughs> said, weightlifting must make you short. They didn't factor. But then I always joke, does basketball make you tall? <laughs> you know, Fair I wish point. it did. Yeah, yeah, I know. So it's sort of like, that's the first thing. I think there was one paper done on Japanese labor during the war Japanese labor kids or something like that and because they were so nutritionally uh, uh, restricted and their their work rates were so high shock horror they, they stunt their growth 
think that was two where the, the started. And um, but if you actually look at the research, Avery Feinbaum, American College Sports Medicine, uh, all those things, they actually say resistance training for youth is nearly essential. From um, what age? For health. Yeah. And like even this official plate stuff, um, you'd have to do something crazy with kids to even affect that. So, um, you know, it's this whole thing. A lot of the fitness stuff is marketing, isn't it? So, like, you, uh, what the gymnastics kids do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Oh, like, where if I was to do what gymnastics, great gymnastics coaches do with their, in a Gaelic setting, I'd probably be arrested. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, your four-year-olds, or not four-year-olds, but your six-year-olds doing chin-ups? <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with that? You know? Anytime you're trying to do anyway, I love it. And I know from my own son, he's jumping off couches and stick landing and all that sort of stuff, and his knee goes a little valgus. You know, it's like, ooh, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, that's a very damaging myth, though, because mm. uh, they're all on their phone, blah, 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 they're very sedentary, blah, 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 blah. But resistance training done well for kids can just absolutely be brilliant. And we're talking good PE. We're not talking, here's a gym, here's a barbell. We're talking good PE. Walk like a monkey, walk like a, a cat. Bridges and rivers, walkouts, sun salutes, push-up rotates. Kids love it. Pull a band, you know. No, don't be like that. You know. I mean, how could that be possibly be damaging for any child, you know? Exactly. Then we hang clean 200 kilos later. Like <laughs> <laughs> crying, crying CrossFit. CrossFit for kids, eh? <laughs> Did you just say the CrossFit word? <laughs> we won't go there. We won't, we won't, we won't go there. Um, so you, you mentioned actually there, you mentioned your, your own son. And obviously your life is, I'm sure, quite different in the last number of years since I've known you. You've had the introduction of two new family members. So I guess I'm thinking back to our, our days of, of, of a lot of driving with the, the Offaly job and working late hours, working basically every hour God gave us. So how has your working life or your professional life changed since becoming a dad? Has, has it changed at all? Or do you find you have to juggle a few more bits since, since that, obviously, since that big change? Yeah, I think the change comes through just has to change. And then your own mindset changes. Like, you, like when I was 23 opening a business, I might have done 70 hours a week, wouldn't even dream of even contemplating that now so you do little short bursts of work and do them very intensely because you know the deadline of looking after your kids comes very uh, quickly Um, and like you know at the end of the day you just want to go home early and play with your kids and and you know see your kids so you, you change like that I suppose I'm lucky I've changed jobs again and I've finally moved back to Dublin from my current job so that's been a game changer really so instead of getting home even when I do work evenings, when I will be able to work evenings when coronavirus goes away, um, I'll be home 9 p.m., not 1 a.m. or 12 in the, at midnight, whatever. And uh, it's only now that I realize how crazy what I was doing is because before, awfully, I was doing Longford, and that's even further away again. But that's where the opportunities are. So you have to kind of – then you speak to someone from, like, Russia – 
and they're like it's an hour up the road what's the problem you know yeah. that's my neighbor you know or exactly across Ireland. same in america or maybe the same in australia i don't know because it's, it's absolutely the same here yeah, yeah. your appreciation yeah. of what a real long drive is changes <laughs> or your understanding yeah it's such a big continent you know so it's like we're kind of a bit spoiled aren't we with in ireland everything's so close like i mean there's very few places that isn't like two hours away from dublin two and a half obviously your carries and stuff so that's the big change, you know, I mean, you just cop on and you, you that book, Essentialism, remember I tell you about that book? Yeah. Uh, it's a great book and you kind of apply essentialism to everything just so you can get home and like, and also, you know, you'll be up during the night. So it's like, I'm not staying up late. I have to get sleep quick. <laughs> I might be up four times during the night. So, but uh, yeah, you just get on with it. And do you still manage to prioritize S&C for yourself? And how do you kind of maintain your physical health with your job, your kids? Because yeah, I know Yeah, I think there's an old saying there. Uh, I used to, my last job was a performance kind of person, more so than S&C coach. And what's the old joke? A personal trainer is the rip guy in the corner telling the fat guy what to do. A performance coach is the fat guy telling the rip players what to do. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what happens it seems to happen that way because you're doing all these hours and you're doing all these sort of like excel spreadsheets that your own health goes to shy mm-hmm. so yeah it's a, an area i need to work on big time Um i suppose the only thing is uh like the only saving grace would be um like commuting to work and basic stuff like that walks things like that starting off there but sure, I just know from myself, my body's so banged up when I start doing proper weights, it just bites me in the bum. I went there. Uh, here's a funny one for you, Ian. This this will get you. This will get you come back for slagging you about your ACL. <laughs> but um, I was actually during the second lockdown, I was training like mad. I was training every day, and uh, just to see how far my body could go. And I felt great. I was like, you know, it's like, and I had regen every evening. I have those um, compression boots, you know, those compression boots. I don't know what you think of them, but I found them good psychosomatically. I was, you know, you know, the ones that Normatex. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember them? Did I have them yeah, in your yeah. time? Did you, did you have them in for the team or no? Or no? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just logistics. So we could throw one on the boots, yeah. one for soft tape, one for training. And I was doing that all evening, protein shakes to work. Felt great. And I, was, I said, I felt so good. I said, right, I used to do like 30 minutes on the spin bike and then go for a, a jog in the evening. Now, see, I just wanted to, I was testing myself and I was such a nerd. I was taking heart rates and I had the polar watch on and all that, checking, doing cardiac volume and all this sort of stuff. And then I was down in a primary school doing a, a, a kid session <laughs> and sprinted for a ball and made bits of my rec fam. <laughs> right rec fam. But it gets worse cramped my left left rec fem at the same time so i was literally driving home pulling my knee up like you know you know the way you do it mm-hmm. and i was actually laughing for about an hour driving home just thinking if rian saw me now uh, <laughs> and they're they're in when you have you think you'd know better seeing all the expertise i'd have but no you don't so it's like it's it's gas it's like you just realize you have to do stuff that's orthopedically very friendly the older you get and it's like, it's hard because the orthopedically friendly stuff isn't that much fun. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? Like running is more fun than on a spin bike, isn't it? You know, so it's, 
So what would you recommend then if there was someone listening and they, they're thinking, right, he's so passionate about resistance training. I want to start, but where do I start? I don't know. I don't want to do what he does and be chasing after a kid and damage my rec pen. So like, what would you tell them to do to start off? Just in terms of training. Yeah. Depends on their fitness level, but, um, you know, if they're really unfit, just start walking, you know, do just get used to the habit of going out. I think we're very snobby at walking. I think walking is a big part to play in general health. Um, and then I'd say just, you know, build up a little base of walking or maybe even cycling. Um, and uh, you should be able to do that during coronavirus. And then just start off maybe like some basic body weight stuff um, raise push-ups and deloaded to some degree squats reverse lunges bridging core just the basics and work your way up there i think if you've got though i don't know if there's argos in australia is there say again no Ar- there argos no, in australia? no no sadly no argos here no all right well anyone in ireland will know what argos is it's basically like a shop and they sell those ziploc dumbbells you know whatever the equivalent is in uh buy a set of them and you can do nearly anything yeah. you want Get a program off yourselves, maybe for a, a good a good rate, and uh, do like fifteen. I think uh, fifteen minutes, four days a week. Start doing there, and then around that build your walking in. It's a pretty good start, you know, pretty good start. Um, but like when coronavirus does go away, book something in the diary and go to a professional trainer, or it could be anything. I don't care. Pilates, if that's what you like, um, you know, resistance training classes, boot camps. I wouldn't be a fan of renting, but like maybe if you know someone like yourselves ran the boot camp, maybe the name boot camp is just to get them in, and then you can do functional stuff or whatever. If it's if it's in the diary and you're paying for it, you'll do it. Mm. So like, if I I know when I used to train, the people who cancelled the most for me was the people who got it for free. Yeah, it's good The people point. who never cancelled was the ones who were signed up to Direct Evan. You and can remember when we changed to Direct Evan and the, it was very few cancellations. Obviously, we've, we've spoke a lot about physio and, and the relationship between physio and S&C and physios having a good understanding of, of S&C and, and Probably not everyone was as, as lucky as I was to get an exposure to it from, from the get-go. But for anyone who, for any physios that are listening who would like to gain a greater understanding of S&C, how would you recommend they go about that in terms of like what's, what's the best way to, should it be an internship? Should it be specific courses? Do you think getting your hands dirty is the best kind of way to do it? Or what would you recommend or... Have you got any suggestions for any any physios listening? Yeah, so I know from my own experience coaching physios in S&C, these are the most intelligent group of bloody people in the known universe. And even with you guys, the, the most learning occurred when you actually trained. So whilst my own physical conditioning is not where it should be, I've spent time under the bar. I've done triathlons, I've done marathons, cycled, swam. It, 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 that's where the real learning occurs. When you're standing over someone, 
and you go right and he's like or she's like ah me glute and you know you've done that and you felt that glute or you've you've done squats when you haven't trained in 10 weeks and your ductor magnus is hanging off you from that inner groin sensation or you've done hex bar deadlift that looked perfect but then the next day your l4 region is a bit stingy and you go okay and then you know then if someone's had back pain for four years ago you're not going to do hex bar with them for the fear of you know maybe something going on there you might even know the little subtle differences between a med ball squat with four kilos and three kilos i mean a, a med ball squat with four kilos and someone with a sensitive back is a spasm a med ball squat with someone with a two kilo med ball is never any problems you know and you only learn those things by guess what doing it so if you're in australia if you're in ireland when when you're allowed go and pay to be trained by someone and learn and you'll learn even if that person and try and screen that person whoever he or she is don't just say join a boot camp or that's you're not going to learn but actually like be coached does that make sense so like, you know yourself, Rian, from working with us, it's the nuances. So like, you know, when you're, you're, you're back squatting, nothing wrong with a back squat, nothing wrong with it, if you do it perfectly, but actually to do it perfectly is very hard if you've all these little issues in your body or you're missing the point. And then if you've back squatted a hundred times, then you might know, mm, okay, this person needs a heel raise and a mini band around the knee and we'll deload it. Or this person actually should never back squat. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. This person maybe need to do sissy bar squat or front squat. And then you learn that to that level, your skill set as a physio, in my opinion, grows because you're now making what these players do in their gym program weekly rehabilitative. Is that even a word? So that's where the learning occurs. It's not cheap because you have to put pay for a coach i'd much prefer physios to do that than go and do the nsca or the acsm exams it's just another exam they're fine they're perfectly good there is learning involved you learn about periodization all that stuff but you won't learn any of the nuances and physios in my opinion the best ones i've worked for know and can coach the nuances um uh, you remember the famous player we couldn't get glutes for and for example rain and then I remember doing an in-service in that, which it once, and, or was it maybe Tom? I can't remember, actually. But we about 50 tricks in the book just to get someone's glute to fire in a bridge. You learn that from having no glutes yourself <laughs> and acknowledging you've no glutes yourself and acknowledging your dysfunction. Um, and I think that's where I'd start. But if I was to do any education as a physio, I'd do the Exos online uh, cert. I can't remember the name of it. I think it's xps you do it at your own pace that's the best one out there i've seen Um, i don't think you get any major kudos on your cv for doing it and it is expensive maybe but if i was to condense four years and a master's degree into an online product that would be the closest to it it's, it's phenomenal i still refer back to it because you get access to it for years to go uh years to come and uh, yeah does that answer your question yeah for sure i think it's it's a really good point in in you know getting involved and you do i you know i know you were you were slagging me there about my acl injury but i i often joke that my my acl recovery was probably my one of my best you know 
eye-opening experiences as a physio because now I'm, I'm in a much better position I feel now to treat and rehab someone who's done their ACL because I know the nuances as you say I know what it's like I know how it feels you know not just physically but mentally and and all the as you say the nuances of it so I feel like feeling what it feels like to train to get injured and to recover is 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 absolutely key you know um, there's another point on that though Rian sorry to jump across you no, you're right. when you've spent time under the bar as a physio and you're treating someone say rotator cuff right tricky won't always treat you know you're not this that you know what I mean it's just fiddly and it's scat push up you know what you know all that sort of stuff <clears throat> If you haven't spent time under the bar as a physio, and I see this happen time and time again, and you don't, the first thing I'd like, this is with sporting populations now, by the way, obviously it's general pop, it's different, but <clears throat> first thing a physio should be probably doing, in my opinion, bring in your gym program. Let me have a look at it. Then you look at the gym program, you see shoulder press, bench press, incline bench press, and you add up the push versus pull. Simple stuff like this, maybe. Yeah. Ah, that's the problem. All the terabands in the world ain't going to make a damn bit of difference. You know, it's like putting a, a Band-Aid on it, I suppose. Whereas if the physio and, like, the best ones I've worked with can go look at the program, they start scanning it and go, okay, do the program, but just maybe replace this with this and replace this with this. just accelerates the rehab enormously. And you can only learn that by knowing how your shoulders feel after doing 14 sets of shoulder press and 14 sets of floor press when you're doing your German volume training or something fancy. Shoulders like bowlers. Uh, yeah, you know, or it's like, you know, you remember the people used to come in the FTI ring, like, well, I'm, I'm like that, you know, peck, you know, and they come in and, and it's like, do you do a lot of bench pressing? Yeah, how'd you know? <laughs> you know, do you drop a ball a lot in training and your coach make you do 500 push ups? Yeah. Well, when he makes, when he says do push-ups, um, do walkouts. You know, yeah. that's good physio, isn't it? I think. Yeah, sure. So, uh, Dave, I mentioned at the start that you are a published author now. So, tell us a little bit about your about your book because it. I think you released it probably just after I left for Australia. So it's probably about four years now. Would that be Would that be about right? Four and a half years. Yeah, it's, it's actually ages ago. It's funny, I just started reprinting it because of lockdown, basically, and some people were interested in it. <clears throat> but my obsession with S&C is to make it simpler, not harder. So S&C is actually fairly simple, but we, to make ourselves sound smarter, we keep trying to make it sound fancier. So like, you know, um, even exercise physiology does the same. So ventrilatory threshold what is that kind of you when you're out of breath a little bit <laughs> but no one wants to write in a scientific paper when they hit the point of out of breathness you know it looks better when you say you're you know all that stuff and then uh, we give out when head coaches don't understand snc oh he doesn't get it you know he wants to do laps we haven't done a horrendous job of explaining this stuff to the general public horrendous uh, it's very hard to um, but physio suffers this as well. The problem with physiotherapy is someone goes to an inverted commas bad physio, whatever that means, or has a bad experience with a good physio. It can happen. Personality, logistics, money, 
whatever. Sometimes they go to a rubber, they go to a spinologist, they go to a chiropractor, they go to all these things. And, you know, they, they might get fixed because time fixes 80, 90% of injuries anyway. Sorry, guys, but it probably does. <laughs> or fixes the pain cycle anyway. And um, but uh, 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 and physios suffer from that because if you go to a bad dentist, no one goes, I'm just going to go to Mary down the road who you know, has a drill and does a little bit on the teeth. You just go to another dentist. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Same with S&C. Everyone has their own opinion on it. Oh, you, you, we won championship in 97 because we did... Uh, divorce acts running program you know what you know so what i tried to do was make a book that was really simple that people could get two or three or four things action points if you want to say each chapter and that's been the feedback and um i i I, it's weird really weird i've sold a few copies whatever and it's on amazon as well and i've had no negative feedback whatsoever none I was expecting when I released it, the odd troll or someone to come on that BS. None. It's just been freaky. I've just been like a brilliant for the ego. So, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, and it is a great place to start for physios because yeah. my programs, you could tell I've been educated by physios because the programs are very safe and very, it'd be hard to injure yourself doing the program in it, for example possible <laughs> but it, it would be hard and there's a, Ian, and there's a chapter by a, a really, by a really yeah. good physio in there as well i think is there yeah but even that rain was a really complicated thing which is physio screening made pretty darn simple but not any simpler than it should be so we know this like we think like this, you know, I don't know about you, but when you're driving along and you see that person jogging and they're, it's a horror show and the knees collapsing in and they're like this and you're like, oh, blimey, I'd love to get him or her doing X, Y, Z. Well, we, we think like that. Your head coach doesn't think like that. Head coach doesn't know any different. They might spot the running problems with an athlete because, you know, he or she isn't getting to the ball first. They don't notice any problems with gait, for example. So a simple chapter on screening now sows a seed in the head coach's head. All right, I need to look out for this stuff. That's why when we did loads of barbell stuff, lads were pulling up our hamstrings. So that was the the thought process. Really simple, really simple. Um, And no one wants to do it. But like, I try and make it as simple as possible. So buy the book. It would be good for physios, actually, because you could see the thought process behind what I'm trying to say. Um, in a real world setting so yeah for sure yeah. I've, I've obviously i've obviously read the book and yeah i definitely highly recommend uh it as a starting point for for anyone really not just not just physios but anyone looking to gain a bit of an understanding of of, of strength and conditioning and how it works in in a sporting setting and and i guess what value it can what value it can bring to a team so i suppose we'll probably we'll probably wrap it up around there dave but if 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 anyone else wants to kind of see any of your content or anything like that you're on most social media platforms anyway i know you're on twitter and and instagram where can they find yeah. you yeah i suppose just go on my website functionaltraining.ie. Um, kind of love hate that url 
um, mm-hmm. functional training, like Bozu Bod, back squats, but it's not that. I suppose I'm going along with the functional training, uh, training that works. But um, functionaltraining.ie, all that stuff is there. And uh, I actually, because of a bit more time now, restarted the blog uh, maybe once a week or twice a week, put up some simple contact, kind of like an extension of the book. Um, so uh, because it's not clickbait, doesn't get much traction. You know, it's like five, you know, learn the five secrets to, it's actually just good stuff. Someone likes it. They like it if they don't, they don't, and it's kind of laid back. I think that's the way it should be, to be honest. Drip fed like, like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so functionaltraining.ie. Perfect. And, uh, well, uh, well, listen, thanks so much, Dave, for coming on here to, to chat to us today. It's, it's been really good to even just to catch up with you because it's been so long. And um, yeah. thanks, everyone, for listening. And yeah, we'll see you at the next one. Thank you. Thanks very much, Claudia. Thank you, Rian.